0: In my open, you heard the scene from Avengers Infinity War when Chadwick Boseman's character King T'Challa as Black Panther said Wakanda forever before the climactic battle. I did that in honor of Chadwick Boseman who passed away this weekend at the age of 43 from a four-year battle with colon cancer. If you know me, you know I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you know that Black Panther is one of my favorite MCU heroes. So I figured that was a good way to pay tribute To Chadwick Boseman, who also portrayed Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, James Brown, a legend already, and he will be missed. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 FM, WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you for the next hour. You just heard radio's golden hour, and I do want to give a special shout-out to John Bialis, who's been putting those shows together. And it turns out that this would have been his last broadcast today. And I want to just thank John for everything. I don't know what's next. We're not in the studio this semester. We are all remote. And I haven't seen John since March. Actually, February. And I do just want to give John a special shout out. I hope he sticks around as an engineer and producer. But I do know Radio's Golden Hour is not continuing anymore. So all the best to John in the future. I hope everybody had a great week this week. I know there was a lot going on on multiple fronts. Both In the sports world and outside the sports world, I'm going to try to tackle everything. I'm not sure if I'm going to get to everything, but there's quite a bit to get to. And we'll start with the Cubs, who lost game two of a doubleheader in seven innings last night, which I've got a whole rant ready for that, I promise. I'm not going to let all that out right now. It's too early. But Craig Kimbrell did not look good after taking a few big steps forward. He took a huge step back last night, and I'm not sure if he's ready to settle back into the closer role yet. Also, just as we were coming on the air, the Cubs made a trade, so I will react to that in the second half hour. More to come on that front. They traded for a big bat. Also, we need to talk about you, Darvish, because I'm hearing Cy Young hype, and usually I discard Cy Young hype until the last month or so of the season. Well... We're entering the last month of the season right now. As crazy as that sounds, the season is flying. Can you, Darvish, feasibly win the Cy Young Award? I'll talk about that, but overall, the Cubs still don't look great. Talked about that last week during the White Sox games. It did not look good. And they're looking better. They had their moments, but they're still not looking great just yet. I'll dive into all of it. Speaking of looking great, how about the White Sox? Despite the loss yesterday to Kansas City, they have been rolling. If the Cubs didn't win that last game of the Crosstown Series, Sox would have won 11 in a row. And Lucas Giolito threw an absolute gem this last week. He threw a no-hitter, 101 pitches. It was awesome. And I'll tell my story of my day that day because that day was really interesting for me. Also, the Bears quarterback competition, I promise I'll discuss it this week. I've got plenty of time booked out for it because Matt Nagy, has apparently said no decision will be made public until week one between Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. And I have some, some insights here from Bears reporters on Twitter about how the competition is going, who's leading that competition. Talk about all that. On a national level, in the NBA, MLB, WNBA, MLS, all across the sports world, we saw protests and boycotts after the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I will talk about that a little bit in the second half hour. I don't have a lot of time, but I do, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about it because it affected the sports world greatly. But in other news back close to home, DePaul introduced a new athletic director this week and Dwayne Peavy, and this is where I segue to my guest for this week. Lawrence Kramer is the sports editor of the DePaulia. This kid's only a junior, and he's out here breaking news. He broke that Dwayne Peavy got an offer. He broke that Dwayne Peavy got the job at DePaul. He does awesome work over at the DePaulia. And I'm really happy he could take the time to come on. This is not the first time I've interviewed Lawrence. I interviewed him for our podcast a couple months back. I was going to air it on my show. But we had some technical difficulties. So I didn't get to play it. However, I interviewed Lawrence last night over Zoom for about 20-25 minutes. It was a great conversation. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with you now. So without further ado, here is Lawrence Kramer of the DePaulia talking about DePaul's big week, introducing Dwayne Peavy as athletic director. Sunday Sports Shootout, WUW 88.7 FM. I'm Nick Schultz, and thrilled to welcome in Lawrence Kramer, sports editor of the DePaulia. He's been all over the story of DePaul's new athletic director. Dwayne Peavy is taking over for Gene lenti Poncetto. And Lawrence broke the story. He has been all over this stuff, and it's just great work from a student journalist. And I'm happy to welcome Lawrence in. Lawrence, awesome work this week, man. How you doing?
1: Thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, for inviting me, and um, I'm I'm glad to be on. I, I know last time we talked was just a couple of months ago. It's, it's surreal, Dad. You know, we're in some t- nearly in September now, and DePaul is a, a new athletic director finally.
0: Yeah, it is definitely a changing of the guard as Dwayne Peavy comes in from Kentucky. And before we start talking about him, how was that for you, breaking the story and being the first on top of this?
1: Yeah, it was, you know, obviously surreal, just, you know, breaking, you know, I guess it's a, it's a, obviously a big story, but, uh, you know, I, I trusted the, you know, the source that kind of provided me the information. I knew it was, you know, as close to as 100% as it can get. Um, and I was at, when I broke the the, the news a couple of Mondays ago that he received a, a, a contract or that they extended an offer to him, um, and when I saw some you know a Kentucky journalists and some you know Chicago national media journalists responding to my tweet and kind of basically confirming it, it you know, it felt good about that obviously, and, and made it made me feel that you know this is real. And then thursday, that that following Thursday, when I you know broke the news that they're finalizing a deal. Um, obviously, I was a little nervous because this is the first time I broke this type of story. Um, but again, I, I had trust in my sources. I, I knew that it was accurate. And then I guess I was kind of just, you know, obviously, I think that the hiring was, was great. But I just I was kind of happy when it kind of went all everything went down on Monday and, and Tuesday when DePaul announced it. And then um, Dwayne had his first DePaul press conference this past Tuesday.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about this new hire. Because I know when we talked for my podcast a couple months ago, we both agreed they should go outside. But they really went outside. Because if I heard Dwayne Peavy right, he's never really spent much time in Chicago in the summer. So what's kind of your read of what he brings to the table?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he said the first time he ever was in Chicago, unless I'm mistaken, was during his uh, last interview with DePaul earlier. I think I heard that too. Yeah, so... I mean, obviously, it's as far as you can go outside of Chicago. Uh, I mean, he probably has some, you know, college ties with some, probably knows some people in Chicago. But in terms of just knowing how Chicago, the, the college scene operates, he probably, you know, is probably new to it a little bit. But he has tremendous um, experience. He's worked all all over the map. You know, he's been in media relations. You know, he's worked in the, in the SEC, so he knows how a conference operates. And then he's obviously worked at Kentucky, where he's – He's known for working uh, really close with their leg like, director, and I think what he's really well known for is um, how close he was to John Calipari and the men's basketball team. And I obviously I think that's what sticks out with this hiring and with um, obviously we know what DePaul's struggles has been with the men's basketball team. And I, I don't know if you know DePaul publicly admitted maybe they will one day of, but I, I think it signals that this was their main priority. When going after a new athletic director, making sure um, they have some sort of men's basketball experience because uh, it's important to turn around that program. And I, 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 we'll probably touch on it in, in this in this interview. But um, you know, Dwayne talked about it in his first press conference about how no important a successful men's basketball program is to a school and to the entire athletic department and and his vision for it. So um, I just think overall it's a strong hire. I think fans obviously. If, you just follow Twitter, they're really excited about it. So, you know, I know we, we criticize the ball a lot, but this is, you know, pr- one of their strongest hires, especially in the leg department.
0: Yeah, and you're alluding to the men's basketball program. Obviously that's gonna be the big question here because the men's basketball program has not been doing well lately. I think they've made what is it, two NCAA tournaments since oh four. Is that what I'm
1: is that right? It's it's uh, last one was in O four and then the previous one was in two thousand. So it's been two okay. this century, I think.
0: Okay, yeah, that improves the point even more. So that the program obviously needs to take a step forward. And you mentioned the fact that PV worked with John Calipari. How do you think that can translate to a relationship with Dave Lato, or possibly someone else in the head coach's seat?
1: Yeah, you know, he in his first press conference, he talked about it. He's not looking to make a change right away, so he's going to probably give Lato, you know, this first season. And he talked about working with him and kind of building a positive relationship and making sure. Coach Lito has all the support he needs um, going into the season to have a successful year. And, and he talks a lot about building a winning culture, how a winning program is supposed to look like. Um, and I, I think that's, that's what he's going to try to build before he makes a head coaching change. No, and I think it's obviously it's, it's so late in the game. Uh, we're a couple months away now from a new college basketball season. Hopefully we will get it. Um, but even if, let's say we do, it's probably too late to make a change. And I think PV realizes that. I don't think he wants to. I think he wants to give Leto a shot. And he says he's going to work with him in terms of scheduling, in terms of kind of helping with recruiting, making sure. Because he said that once people get to Lincoln Park, they like it. But it's how do we get people there? That's the hard part of convincing them to go to DePaul um, instead of going to the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Kansases, especially students students from Chicago. Um, and he, he has experience with that with Calipari. He talked about how when he first got to Kentucky, um, you know, Kentucky was kind of struggling. And then Calipari got there, and they had this boost in terms of just the support for the program. So um, I, I think he knows what he's doing, but I think it's going to be more than just his knowledge. I think he's going to need the support of the entire university to get this uh, program turned around.
0: And I listened to his interview with Molly and Haw. I think that would have been what was that Thursday?
1: I think it Rest was Tuesday conference. morning before his press conference.
0: It was Tuesday. Yes, that's yeah. right. Cause I was I'm breaking up hours at the country club a half hour away. It's where I worked the last few summers and I'm I'm working six thirty to 1.30. <laughs> so I miss like everything up until about two o'clock. Yeah. So I caught the podcast of Mike and David's interview and I don't know, I thought he said all the right things and I'm a loyal grad and I found myself getting excited about the Paul basketball, as weird as that sounds. Did you kind of get that feeling?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think he's, you know, he said all the right things. I mean, he said he he wants to win a national championship, you know, and obviously it's a it's a huge goal. And he and he said, um, you know, if people aren't gonna, you know, have these big dreams, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said if people don't have these big dreams like I do, then you're not cut out for the new DePaul athletics. And it's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a it's a shot at something. I mean, it's not a shot, but it's it's putting pressure on on people that have been there for a long time and that have not. Know, have not been able to get the program succeeding. And I think he's talking about the entire DePaul Athletics, but it's also looking at the men's basketball program and saying, if if you don't have the same goals as me, or if you if you don't have the same vision as me, then we need to make some changes, possibly. Um, and he said all the right things if you're a fan of DePaul, of DePaul Athletics, especially the men's basketball program. Um, he, he gets you excited because you see his experience, his background, and kind of what he said during obviously the Mullion Hall interview and then uh, his first press conference, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. It's just how fast can he get this thing moving in the right direction. And I think that's going to be the main key here.
0: And now moving away from men's basketball for a second, has he said anything about the women's basketball program or is he just kind of, kind of leave that alone? Because I know if I were him, and I tweeted this too, I wouldn't change a thing.
1: Yeah, no, he he got asked a, a question in uh, his press conference about it. It was if he's talked to Coach Bruno yet. And, and he said, Yeah, he's talked to him. And he's, you know, basically what he said, we kind of know is he's like, You know, I, I told him I want to help. He, he said, I told Bruno that I want to help you any way I can to get you past the second week and get you to the final four. And, and you know, he said, you No, know, Bruno has his own way of doing stuff and he has his own goals of how he wants to accomplish it. Um, and PB said, it's, now it's my job to kind of fit into that and, and do my best job to get him past, you know, the, um, the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament, get him to his first Final Four. And you know, now UConn's coming back into the Big East. Um, the, coach Bruno has never been um, UConn as the as Paul head coach. So that's, that's what he, he wants to do and kind of get them to that next level. And obviously the women's basketball team has been, you know, it's been so successful. It's been so well run for a long time. Best but even coach, in town. Yeah. Yeah. Even coach Bruno has pointed out numerous occasions that we still have another level to go, like beating the Yukons and Notre Dames, you know, the Baylors um, and getting to the final four. And I think um, coach PV or ADP, we can now help with that. And because he, you know, he's going to try and do everything he can to get there because he knows that this is such a well oiled machine that maybe takes some minor tweaks and you kind of get over that hump eventually.
0: And the other point, and we're talking with Lawrence Kramer, sports editor, of the DePaulia here on Sunday Sports Shootout, WWW. The other point I want to bring up is fan turnout, because I heard that in the press conference and I heard that on Molly and Haw. What is he going to do to get fans to win trust arena? Because I know you've written stories about attendance being lower than everyone thought it'd be.
1: Yeah. You know, he, he talked about kind of making a DePaul brand that is exciting for younger people. He didn't specify how he wants to do it. I, Obviously, the easiest way to do that is by winning. If you win, I mean, people will turn out. And I, I kind of even thought about this this week after he said kind of building a, a, an exciting brand for younger people and kind of making sure you don't lose another generation uh, of, you know, college fans and basketball fans. And I thought of DePaul's start last season. And even though they started off really well, and they, when they got to an 8-0 and they hosted Texas Tech, they still couldn't fill half of the stadium. And that's when, you know, that was in December when the Bears were kind of out of the playoffs. The Bulls were struggling. The Hawks weren't playing well. You would think at that Thanks point. Thanks for reminding
0: me of that, by the way. Really <laughs> I'm sorry, good.
1: everyone. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that, that was DePaul's chance at 8-0 hosting the last, last year's National Runners-Up to kind of see how many fans will show up. And, and it was still a good turnout, but it was not what you would expect or what you would hope for when you're 8-0 and you've been some really good teams. And you're now kind of getting close to being ranked. So I think for DePaul, it's going to take uh, – you need to be consistent. You need to prove it to Chicago that you're exciting. And I think, I think Peewee knows this, and I think this is going to be the key, recruiting Chicago talent. Can you get the four or five-star recruits from Chicago to stay at DePaul? And if you can and, and you win, um, then I think people, more people will start showing up, especially if you can prove it in the Big East in the long run.
0: Yeah, that was a fun time there when DePaul was eight and and every team was struggling. And I, I always love bringing up my column about that that I wrote that DePaul's the king of college basketball in town. And yeah, we all know how well that aged. Yeah, but he, so he didn't lay out any specific plan. But I know another guy who I would have put as one of my top candidates was Steve Watson at Loyola, and kind of what he did to get fan turnout and. You said he told you he wasn't in consideration for the position, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was like late July I emailed Layola because I heard from, from a source that Northwestern's Mike Pulaski and and Loyola's Steve Watson were possibly being considered for the job. And I just wanted to confirm with, with both schools. And Northwestern didn't get back to me, but uh, Loyola's uh, um, PR department didn't. They, Steve Watson provided me with a quote, and he said, you know, I'm not – you know can for the job and he's you know he said he's happy you know being the athletic director at Loyola.
0: Yeah and I even said at the time I'd have had a hard time seeing Steve leave Loyola. He's got something really good going there, but I had to bring it up because this is Loyola student radio station <laughs> and I did cover the Ramblers for a few years. So I gotta I gotta get that angle in there. Yeah. Uh, you talk about recruiting I know there was a possible recruit that was looking at the Paul and have we heard anything more on what was his name? Was it David
1: Jones? Yeah, it was like Debbie Devy Jones, I believe. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his first name right, but he's he's committing on on Monday at six p.m. He's um, you know looking at the the forecast for two forty-seven and and rivals. You know, DePaul has a couple of predi- uh, predictions enabled already, and I think late Illinois has a couple. So uh, if fans are looking for a little rivalry, there I guess Illinois and DePaul are competing for for the same four-star recruit and. Um, and if those predictions are right and i, I hopefully they are th- that's going to be the depaul's third four star recruit for 2021 um, and obviously that's going to help massively for Lato to build some stock with, with dwayne Peavy, and I think they're going after a couple of more players for that year so um, I guess it's just a couple more days now to wait and see but that would be a huge land for, for them and beating out illinois even though they don't play on you know they don't play each other in college basketball right now
0: which don't even get me started on that. Like you, you <laughs> yeah. heard, you see me on Twitter. You've heard my rants. I, I think all Chicago teams should play. I think the Illinois team should play. There should be something yeah. in college basketball in Illinois, but, but that's a topic for another time. Otherwise we can string this out for a full couple hours, but I do want to go back to the recruiting. You're going to see where I'm going with this after this question. How do you think, the Paul Men's Basketball team can do this year. Do You think this could be a make-or-break year for Dave Leto with the new athletic director in town?
1: I think it's so tough to tell because I, you know their schedule isn't out yet, and I, I don't even think they That's know the their schedule team. because I, you know, the NCAA doesn't know when they're starting their season. I know there's been reports of starting starting on Thanksgiving or you know early December, but there's no official start date as of now. We don't know how the non-conference season is going to look like. I mean, I know the Big East is now supposed to play 20 games. So it's just – if if it was kind of a normal season, I think you – no, know, their team, their roster's well-constructed. You know, they had some players leave. that obviously Paul go to the draft. But they've been able to kind of restock with some good transfers. And a couple of them still need to pick up uh, waivers to play this season. And I think that's going to be really important for a couple of those guys to get. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be a make or break here for Coach Leto um, because I don't think – you know, I think PV will be patient, but I, I think he's going to want to see some results. You know, there's some teams in the Big East this season that are arguably worse than DePaul, like Georgetown, possibly Butler. Um, so there's no reason why DePaul can't finish, you know, at least eighth. I mean, that that's you're setting such a low bar there, I, I know. like, But for DePaul finishing eighth out of 11 teams now, that would be a success. Um, so I, I do think it's a make or break here, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that you kind of alluded to what my next question would be. So let's say college basketball, they won't have a full season, I don't think. I think that's pretty safe to say at this point because it is almost September. But say they have most of a season enough to have an NCAA tournament. If DePaul finishes its highest finish in the Big East and doesn't make the NCAA tournament, do you think PV still thinks about bringing Lado back, or do you think he'd still kind of go in another direction because they missed out on the big Dance? I know it's so early, but I love speculating.
1: Yeah, their highest place finish since realignment in 2013, I believe is eighth or ninth, and Mm -hmm. that's out of 10 teams. So, I mean, we're really setting the the bar really low there. I mean, and I know there's now 11 teams in the conference because of UConn coming back. Um, I mean, if they definitely, if they get top five, let's say, I mean, I don't think anyone right now has them finishing that high, but if they do, I I don't see why he wouldn't bring back Leto, especially with the recruiting class he has coming in for next season. Um, But if it's – I mean, if it's another last place finish and it's kind of just all over the place, it's hard for me to imagine how he'll bring him back. I might be wrong on that, but um, you you have to start winning. I mean, I understand it's a process of rebuilding a program, but Leto's going into a sixth year now. Uh, Eventually – you know, people don't last three years at a job, you know, let alone six years. Um, eventually you've got to start winning. I know it's a tough conference, but I, I just can't see if it's another bad season, how uh, PV brings him back and he sells it to the, to, the, to the fan base again.
0: And I really think this is just my perspective from the outside looking in. Obviously you're on the inside, so tell me if I'm wrong. But I feel like his background with Kentucky and Coach Calipari mm-hmm. – is going to be huge in that deciding factor. Don't you think I like, I feel like that's what makes this such a great hire is because he's not coming from like a Notre Dame or a Creighton. He's coming from, he's come from Kentucky.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's some speculation about Kenny Payne. I know he just went to the Knicks. Uh, possibly if Lato gets, gets fired, bringing in Kenny Payne, obviously has connections with Kentucky and Calipari. Um, I mean, it, I don't know if you're trying to point out maybe Calipari to DePaul. I, no, absolutely not. That's okay. not what i No. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, like, I mean, that would be... I mean, we're just dreaming at this point. I don't even think DePaul could afford a salary.
0: Um, I've, had, I've had some crazy takes, especially recently, but I, I'm not going out there. I'm just saying he's worked with a yeah. very a very high-profile coach, a very high-profile successful program. Yeah. And like bringing that background in and trying to turn DePaul around.
1: No, I definitely think it, it, it's, it's huge right? because he's he knows i mean he's he's seen them win a national championship he's seen them get close he knows how a well-oiled uh, program is supposed to to, to run and he's going to go to the poll and he's going to see it quickly if it's if it's anything close to that i mean obviously it's it's not anything close to kentucky as of now um, but if he's not seeing this going in the right direction and he's he's not seeing results and you know he's talked about building the winning culture and if that's not kind of if he if that's not moving in the positive direction know how he wants it to be um, you know I definitely see him making changes and I just and it's not gonna be down to just PV he needs the support of the university he needs there needs to be commitment from them from the people in charge from the from the donors from everyone involved in this um, that they're gonna really look at this and try to turn this program around or else it's just gonna be stagnant again and I think it's it's it would be a shame to let this go to waste because they have so much potential to kind of, you know, be a force in Chicago. I'm not saying they have to be a force nationally, but he talked about it. We need to get to a point, PV talked to us. We need to get to a point where DePaul is making the NCAA tournament and that's just the floor. Not eventually we want to be competing. DePaul wants to be competing for a national championship and that's his goals. And that's possibly in the long run, but he needs the support and the help from everyone involved or else he's going to, he's going to struggle to turn the program around.
0: And then, last question for you here. I've read something, I think it was in the Daily Herald, about Gene Lenny Ponsetto's final days. I know you're, are you back on campus? Not yet, no. Okay, but given everything you've reported on with the changing of the guard, as I'd like to call it here, how do you think the last days of Gene Lenny Ponsetto are going to be? Like, obviously with the pandemic, I don't know if people are going to be in the office or not but do you think she's going to get like a proper send-off in a way?
1: Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I wish it was, I mean, at least for her, she probably, everyone wishes it was probably normal times where she could probably get a, a, a send-off like any, any person would if if they're retiring or they're leaving after, I mean, she's been at the university for 45 years, athletic director for 18 years. So she's well-connected obviously. And and a lot of people in the athletic department at the university really respect her. Um, I would expect that she gets some sort of send off something. I know athletes are obviously back, you know, now on campus, they're working out, especially the basketball players, the men's and women's basketball players. So, um, no, I definitely think she'll get some sort of send off. Obviously, everyone in that leg department, of bet, respects and really likes her. Um, So, you know, I know people, there's a lot of fans who kind of wish she's went away already. She, that she was let go earlier, but, no, she's she's been there for a long time. She at least deserves one final send off um, before um, she eventually she retires. And that officially that September first. So that's a couple of days. So we'll just have to wait and see if they if they say anything or if they kind of post any pictures on on Twitter or social media.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. People kind of lose in the Fire JLP and everything. Like she's been there a while. I mean, say what you want about her. That's that's a long time to be in the same job. And I really hope she gets as good a send off as possible. Because yeah, I mean, I, I, I do respect the hell out of her.
1: Yeah, and I know she's fighting uh, breast cancer right now. And I and I we all wish her well and to kind of to beat this you know terrible cancer. And I know she's been here before. So um, I know you know people have criticized her and i I think, you know, I've criticized her for the decision she's made, but that her health and her, you know, well-being comes first. So, obviously, we all wish her well in that aspect as well, that she can beat this and and be healthy eventually again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're talking with Lawrence Kramer of the DePaulio. Lawrence, thanks for the time. And, hey, have you gotten an interview with Dwayne PV yet, by the way? Because that made me mad when I saw your tweet.
1: (laughs) No, I – I haven't gotten. I've have not requested another one-on-one, or I, I haven't. I didn't officially request a one-on-one with him yet. But um, no, I've. I haven't. I haven't done an, a one-on-one with him yet. And I think the press conference for right now um, was good enough. Uh, and he he provided a lot of information there. But eventually, we'll 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 get it done. And I, I look forward to talking to him. He looks like a very nice guy. Um, so you know, I, I really I really do wish him well as well. I, you know getting this type of job. I know he's talked about working hard, so um, I I think everyone at DePaul is kind of looking forward to this new era, as well as I am in the DePaul, kind of covering a new athletic director. It's been kind of the same for the last 18 years, so it's kind of exciting for everyone involved.
0: Yeah, and I know as a college basketball fan, like you've got a great program in Loyola. You got UIC hired Luke Yaklich. I think they're going to be a good program. And I think DePaul can turn it around here and you got, you got a three headed monster there. I think it could be great for the city, but I hope you get that first interview because I mean, I'm all about student journalism and you were all over the story. So I hope you get that interview and I'm glad I could be your first radio interview. We'll spin it that way here.
1: So there we go. That that's, there we go. I love that. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate it, Nick.
0: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the time, man. I'll talk to you soon. I'm sure.
1: Sounds good. Thank you.
0: That was Lawrence Kramer of the DePaulia. Again, follow him on Twitter at K-R-E-Y-M-E number eight. He is all over DePaul Athletics. He does awesome work over there, and he's a friend of mine. And again, as you heard me say, I'm all about supporting student journalism. I wouldn't be talking to you right now without my student journalism career at the Loyola Phoenix. So, Lawrence, keep doing great work. I love seeing student journalists break stories like that. And I hope DePaul can get back on the map because, as I said, it would be amazing if you could have three good teams in Loyola, DePaul, UIC. Cause I think UIC is on the come up too. And Northwestern can get back on track too. It could be really fun in the city of Chicago for college basketball fans. I want to remind you that you're listening to WLUW 887 FM. This is Sunday sports shootout with Nick Schultz, traditionally broadcasting from the campus of Loyola university, currently broadcasting from my detached garage at home because we don't have air conditioning out here, and it's finally cool enough where I can have my makeshift studio in the garage again. And we have, we have internet out here, too. That's why I'm coming in so clear. And it's really fun being in a different place other than my dad's office. If you want to chime in on the conversation, I'm moving on for my interview. Can't take calls, so shoot me a tweet at Schultz underscore seven on Twitter if you don't follow me. You should. I try to be funny. Sometimes I miss, but I promise I do my best. So let's talk some baseball, because about 10 minutes before we came out on the air, we had some breaking news on the trade market as the Cubs traded for designated hitter Jose Martinez from the Tampa Bay Rays for two players to be named later or cash considerations. And the way the wording was in the press release was the Cubs traded a player to be named later or cash considerations and a player to be named later and cash considerations, which is pretty funny. Jordan Bastion at LB.com said he'd never seen that kind of wording in a press release before. But if you hear the name Jose Martinez, and you think, hey, that name sounds familiar, that's because he's played in the NL Central before. He played with the Cardinals for four years. And that's why I did a double take, because I saw the name, and I'm thinking, I know that name. My brother is a Cardinals fan. Somehow he's a Cardinals fan, but that's neither here nor there. But I, I saw the name, and I'm like, yeah, he played for the Cardinals. That's right. But the big thing with this trade isn't just the NL Central familiarity. It's his success against left-handed hitters or left-handed pitchers. Because Jose Martinez is batting .319 for his career and has a career .392 on-base percentage versus lefties. To put that in perspective, according to Baseball Reference, the Cubs have a .208 batting average against lefties this year and a .325 on-base percentage against lefties. That's just, I think it was 28 games against lefties in 2020. So this is going to be a very great addition. You can't say very great. It's going to be a very good addition for the Cubs this year. And I think there's more moves to come because trade trade deadline, I'm pretty sure is tomorrow. It throws me off with this weird schedule this year because usually the trade deadline is July 31st and that's my birthday. So I always know the trade deadline because it's, my birthday every year. And this year with the 60 game schedule and COVID-19 and everything, everything got shifted around and the trade deadline was no longer on my birthday, which was really weird. Not seeing trade deadline spin while celebrating. And also with this trade, you heard me talk about him last week and he's designated for assignment. Now Josh Fagley is off the Cubs roster. He's designated for assignment to make room on the roster for Jose Martinez and usually I don't celebrate guys getting designated for assignment because that's usually not something you want to you wanna celebrate. You don't want to be happy about that. But I wasn't really the, big, the biggest Josh Fagley fan. Even when he was on the White Sox, wasn't a big fan of his. And then Rossi put him up in a big situation one time, and I got mad. And because it was bases loaded, Cubs had a chance to win the game. And putting Josh Fagley to bat kind of threw the game away. But he's gone now. It's another catcher off the Cubs roster, so it's Contreras and Caratini now. But again, Cubs made a move, and I have a a feeling they're not done yet. I'm wondering if they're going to add some bullpen help. I'm hoping they add some bullpen help because the bullpen, once again, imploded last night. I shouldn't say that. The bullpen didn't implode. Craig Kimbrell imploded. And I'm going to table that for just a second because I do want to go in order of the games yesterday, because there was a doubleheader yesterday. Cubs won the first game behind Yu Darvish, who's put himself in conversation for the Cy Young Award. He's now 6-1 with a 147 ERA. And this is the Yu Darvish we've all been hoping for since he signed. He is looking sharp. He, his pitches have good movement. They're, most of the time I'm sitting there going, oh, oh how are you going to hit that? I don't know how you're going to hit that pitch. And he's just getting better and better. And people are saying on Twitter that it could be because there's no fans in the stands because Darvish doesn't do a very good job tooting them out. I'm not ready to say that just yet because we've seen this type of stuff from Darvish before. Probably not to this extent. Darvish has been, he's shown good signs over the years of his career. Like especially when he was with Texas and a little bit in LA with the Dodgers. I think this is the U Darvish we were all hoping for when he signed that big contract. And when he went down with the injury that first year and we were all jumping on him, I remember saying on these airwaves that, wait and see. Like, you can't, you can't judge this deal just yet. Everyone's saying, oh, it's the worst contract in the history of Chicago sports. No, it's not. Yeah, he had a bad year. Okay, he had a really bad year. And I know it's comparing apples and oranges, but John Lester wasn't exactly great in his first year of his contract. And then he ended up being NLCS MVP in 2016 with Javi Baez. So I'm really liking what I'm seeing from you, Darvish. And I think I've said this before on the air, but I'm going to say it again, even if I didn't. So I can always tell when you, Darvish is going to be good. When it's in the first inning, he's usually going to get the first two out. That's it's kind of the trend. That's what I've noticed, is that he gets the first two guys out. It's what he does with that third hitter. Will determine if we get what I call good you, or if we get bad you. And if he's on, he's going to get that third batter, and he's going to have a really good day on the mound. If he doesn't get that third batter, could be a long day. Not exactly sure. But all in all, we're seeing a lot of good you. Again, 6-1, and one, a 147 ERA. I know I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this name. You're gonna take it with a grain of salt, but Bob Nightingale has already picked him as a Cy Young winner, so that means he's probably gonna go on a losing streak here because he's got Bob Nightingale's endorsement. But either way, you've got to appreciate what he's doing right now, and he's he's been. I heard this. I think it was on. Was it the was it Cap J Hood? On ESPN One Thousand, the new morning show. Which shout out to Cap and Jonathan Hood, David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood. Really happy for them. I have it's been two weeks since they've had the show, and I have an acknowledged on air. I love those two guys, and I try to catch them when I can when I'm working. And they're on seven to ten now, ESPN One Thousand. And I heard, I think it was Cap, I think it was Cap and Jay Hood, talking about how Darvish has become the stopper for the Cubs, and you didn't think you'd be saying that. A couple years ago when he was struggling with the injuries and even early last year when he was struggling with command. He's been the stopper this year for sure. He has been the go-to guy when the rotation's been struggling. When the when the pitching has been struggling, you're starting to be able to turn to Darvish when you need a pickup. And he's he's stepping up. I'm really happy with what I'm seeing, and I know I'm not alone in that regard. You know what I'm not real happy that I'm seeing is what happened in game two last night. Because Alec Mills didn't look great. And the Cubs offense tried to come back. They tied the game, ended up taking a lead. They were up 5-4 to four going into the seventh. And it was looking really good, like they were going to complete the comeback, get this victory. David Ross got ejected earlier in the game. The bench is cleared. It was an eventful game. And you're thinking, okay, they're going to find a way to win this. And maybe this can change things a little bit because the Cubs were four, I think they were four and five in their last nine before that game. And then all of a sudden, here comes Craig Kimbrell. And I'm sitting there watching this game. And my mom turns to me and says, "Uh uh-oh, here comes the million-dollar man. And I, I flat out told her, I'm like, he's been pitching like it. He's been looking really good. And here's what he did last night walk, strikeout, wild pitch, walk, RBI single, wild pitch, intentional walk, strikeout, walk or wild pitch to walk off the game. It was ugly. And sitting there the whole time just watching it. And my mom's just smiling at me. And I'm like, I don't need this right now. Like, I know I'm wrong. I have a tendency to be wrong, like, especially with my sports takes look back at the column I talked to Lawrence about and get back to me. It's still an ongoing joke at the Phoenix. Shout out to my guy, Kyle Brown, for the shout out in his last column about my bad takes. And that's not the last he's going to hear that. But I thought Craig Kimbrell was looking good. And I know everyone was saying, this could be the Craig Kimbrell we were expecting. This is the Craig Kimbrell we've been wanting. And there have been the last couple of outings he's had. He's looked really, really good. I mean, his slider has looked nasty. It just bottoms out. His, his pitches are breaking. He hits 98 on the gun. He threw one right down the middle to Jose Abreu and he swung right through it. He was looking like the Kimbrel of old until last night. So now begs the question, what do you do with the closer role? The solution is really easy. It's a really easy solution. Make Kimbrell the setup guy. Make Jeremy Jeffress your closer. That's it. End of story. Jeremy Jeffress has been light south this year. He's been another, he's been light Darvish. He's been a stopper. You can count on him. When, when David Ross pulled Kimbrell from the closer role, Jeremy Jeffress stepped in. And he stepped in well. And I think he can be your closer right now until Kimbrell figures out what he needs to figure out. And I, it's there. I wholeheartedly believe Craig Kimbrell can figure this out. But he's in a 60 game season, you can't let him do it in the ninth inning. Bring him in a setup role, and if you don't like what you see, pull him. But I think Jeremy Jeffress needs to step into the closer role for the rest of the season. And it feels weird saying the rest of the season because it feels like it's just started. But we got a month left before the playoffs. And the Cubs are going to make the playoffs. That's not in jeopardy here. The NL Central is a bad division this year. The Cubs are still in first place. They're making the playoffs. So you got a month before the playoffs. But until then, move Kimbrell to setup and put Jeffers at closer. It's that easy. It'll, it'll solve the problems. Judging by what I've seen from Jeremy Jeffers this year versus what I've seen from Craig Kimbrell, Wouldn't hurt to at least try it. And I also think part of the problem with last night's game was that David Ross did get ejected. But I caught it in the ninth inning. Mike Napoli was managing. Andy Green's apparently away from the team. I didn't realize Andy Green was away. So I figured Andy Green was managing. No, Mike Napoli was managing after Rossi got tossed. And Mike Napoli's never been a manager. So that could be part of why Kimbrel was in that long, because, I mean, you heard this line. Walk, strikeout, wild pitch, walk, RBI single, wild pitch, intentional walk, strikeout, wild pitch. If David Ross is managing that game, Kimbrel's out of there. If Andy Green's managing that game, I think Kimbrel's out of there. But with Mike Napoli managing, who's never managed before, which no disrespect to Mike Napoli whatsoever. I love Mike Napoli. But he's not ready for that kind of spot yet. And granted, Rossi's ejection was, it had, a, it had a point. And because the Reds threw at Anthony Rizzo's head. And he took exception to it. As he should have. But with Rossi getting ejected, they left it to Napoli. And now you're seeing what happened. Enough with the Cubs. Let's talk about that doubleheader. Just the doubleheader in general. I don't care about the result. Seven inning doubleheaders. And in, in the first game, the home and away teams are one way, and in the second game, they flip. I look back to, I think it was a Thursday or Friday, at Yankee Stadium, when the Mets and Yankees played a doubleheader and the New York Mets hit a walk-off hit in the bottom of the 7th at Yankee Stadium. Is that not the stupidest thing you've ever heard? So last night, the Reds, they were the home team this time, but the Cubs were the home team in Game 1. The Reds walked off in their home ballpark in the bottom of the 7th. I feel like I'm watching Little E. Between the seven inning doubleheaders and that stupid California tiebreaker. And don't get me started on the DH and the NL. I know that's here to stay. That doesn't mean I have to like it. The Cubs just traded for a DH, so I can't complain too much. But you're, you're watching Rob Manfred try and cater to the younger audience by making the game seem like the game they played when they were younger. Majority of kids... In the United States, when they play baseball, is at the Little League level. Now you're seeing it. You've got seven inning doubleheaders. You've got California tiebreakers. Are the managers now going to have to buy snow cones after the game? Does the winning team get free snow cones? Absolutely stupid. This is not baseball. This is Manfred ball. I call it Manfred ball because Rob Manfred is trying to change this game. Let the game play. I still don't think Rob Manford loves baseball. He's an incredible labor lawyer. And that's why he's in charge. He's a great labor lawyer. He doesn't love the game of baseball. Say what you want about Bud Selig. I think Bud Selig, he appreciated baseball. He he loved baseball for what it was. Rob Manford's trying to literally change the game. I know the White Sox hashtag this year is hashtag change the game. But Rob Manford is taking that too literally. Let the game play. And if the California tiebreaker and the seven-inning doubleheader stick around in the next year, I'm going to set the radio on fire. I'm going to come out here for an hour-long rant about baseball. You're lucky I'm keeping this to five minutes for your guys' sake. But this is Ridiculous. I just had to get that off my chest. Thank you for indulging me. Speaking of the White Sox to change the game, can we talk about Lucas Giolito? What a performance. I honestly and truly thought he was going to get a Maddox out of that no-hitter. I thought he was going to do that in less than 100 pitches. He did it in 101. And if it wasn't for that walk, I think he would have gotten it. And that was just masterful, what he did. He looked sharp. Everything looked great. He and James Command, James McCann... James... James Command. <laughs> he and James McCann had great chemistry. That's what I was trying to say. They were working... I think Steve Stone said it. They were working as one mind. Let's take you back a few weeks. Opening day. Lucas Giolito... Looked like the Lucas Giolito of 2018. Did not look good. Didn't, his stuff was all out of control. He looked out of sorts. His catcher for that game was Yasmani Grandal. And I played the clip. I don't have it handy, but I played the clip of Ozzie Guillen saying he would have started James McCann instead of Yasmani Grandal on opening day because McCann and Giolito have a they have a connection. And you saw that during the no hitter. Giolito shook McCann off one time, which is one time too many, but it worked out, so it's all good. But James McCann needs to be Lucas Giolito's personal catcher. If Yasmani Grandal ever catches Lucas Giolito again, I'm going to go nuts. Not as crazy as I will if the doubleheaders and that California tiebreaker stay past this season. I'm still going to go ballistic. James McCann and Lucas Giolito need to work together forever. I don't care how much money it costs. Let them work together as long as possible. And I saw that all over Twitter Tuesday night. When the no-hitter was going on, everyone said, wow, McCann and Giolito are working great together. Yes, that's what we're saying. Giolito was a legitimate Cy Young candidate last year. Who was this catcher? Exactly. David Ross was John Lester's personal catcher. No one had a problem with that. Let James McCann be Lucas Giolito's personal catcher. Jose Abreu and Aloy Jimenez are still on fire. Jose Abreu had a great weekend against the Cubs. Six home runs in three games. Aloy Jimenez is still going crazy. Even after rolling his ankle in the celebration of the no-hitter. He's still looking great. Both teams are in first place for the first time since 2008 at this point in the season. You'll love to see that. It's great for the city. But the White Sox are in a better place, though. And you're seeing that now because the Cubs are 4-6 in their last 10 and 7-11 and since their 12-3 start. You heard me say it earlier. Outside of the loss to the Cubs on Sunday, last Sunday, the Sox would have been on an 11-game win streak until yesterday. The White Sox are in a great place right now. I still don't think Ricky Renteria is the guy. And I might table that conversation for next week. But you got two solid teams in town. And both teams are going to make the playoffs. And if the White Sox don't win the division, I'm going to be really upset. For reasons I'll let you guess about. It may or may not involve my bank account. But I think both teams will make the playoffs this year. And it's going to be really, really fun. I'm seeing a tweet from Bob Nightingale here. This is, like, I feel like I'm doing a Mike Francesa invitation. I'm reading this. I haven't seen, I haven't read this yet. But it's all over my Twitter timeline. So Bob Nightingale at USA Today is reporting, quote, the most fascinating potential trade is the discussions between divisional rivals Cleveland and the White Sox that could send Mike Clavanger to Chicago with the two teams separated by one game in the standings. Really? The Sox might be going after Mike Clevenger? I'd be down for that. I, I like Mike Clevenger outside of his stupid breaking protocol incident, which i talked about that. But if the Sox could trade for him, they could use the pitching help. Why not? Go get him, Rick. Go do it. Granted, again, it's Bob Nightingale, so consider the source. Nightingale has a tendency to call putts a little early, as I like to say. But that could be interesting. Stay tuned for that. Let's talk football, because we're two weeks from week one. Can you believe we're two... Well, we're two weeks from when week one's supposed to start. I'm not sure what's going to happen with football with COVID-19 and everything. I won't talk about the Bears kicking competition they have. But I will talk about an article I read in the Sun-Times this week from Patrick Finley, Jason Leisure, and Mark Potash talking about the Bears' quarterback situation. As we talked about, or at least I tried to talk about the last couple weeks, and ran out of time. The Bears have a quarterback competition going on. And it's between Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, neither of whom, I well, I always say I'm all in on Mitch as MVP, but I'm, I'm kind of joking about it. I'm not really all in on either one of them. But this was an interesting article in the Sun-Times because the three Bears writers, Pat Finley, Jason Leisure, Mark Potash, predicted who's going to win the quarterback job. Pat Finley said Trubisky, Leisure said Foles, and Patsy said Trubisky. And I talked about it a little bit last week. I really and truly think Trubisky's going to end up winning out if Ryan Pace has something to say about it. Because Ryan Pace will not admit he was wrong. Here's a funny story. My fantasy football team this year is called Mitch is our starter. And who'd I draft as my quarterback but Deshaun Watson because I missed out on my homes. That tells you all you need to know. So if Ryan Pace has any say, I think Mitch wins the competition. I hope Mitch starts week one against the Lions, though, just because he's had the Lions number recently. But if Nick Foles starts week one, I get it. Matt Nagy is gonna go he's gonna go with his guy. And he said he's not gonna publicly make a decision until week one, so it might be two weeks until we find out. Unless it leaks out from Schefter or Ian Rappaport or somebody. But that's gonna be the biggest storyline heading into the season is who's going to be the Bears quarterback. And I'm excited to see what happens. As much as I don't really care for either quarterback involved. I think it's going to be really fun to watch just because it gives something fun to talk about. I mean, who, loves, who doesn't love debating quarterbacks? In two weeks until week one, we'll see what happens. I've got about four and a half minutes left. And I do have to address what Brian Urlacher said on Instagram and everything going on in the sports world in the last week. So the shooting of Jacob Blake happened in Kenosha. He was shot seven times in the back. And the NBA, the, the Bucks started the trend and of uh, boycotting the games. And then it spread from the NBA to the WNBA to Major League Soccer to a little bit to MLB. And NFL teams took the day off of practice in protest. And you're seeing a change here. For a very long time, athletes have been looked at as only athletes. You see them as the jocks on the football team, on the basketball team. You think back to high school. Whenever you saw an athlete, you'd you'd think they were a jock it's not the case anymore. You're seeing them show their human side. You're seeing that they're they're human beings too. And I had this discussion with my brother when all this was going down. I'm here for this change. Because one thing I learned in four years covering college student-athletes at Loyola is they want to be treated like humans too. And this you're seeing the human side come out in the professional world, too. And it's a, a very welcome change. And I'm disappointed in what I saw from Brian Erlacher on Instagram. I won't say what the post said, but I was, very, I was disappointed. And I know he's having conversations with former teammates about it. And I, I just am disappointed. I expect better. But really what I've been trying to build up to is I've been pretty quiet on social media about it. And that's just cause I tend to keep my social media to sports. It's just what I, it's what I'm good at as I like to say, but that doesn't mean I'm not an ally to the black community. I support the black community and while I don't say it on social media I'm there, and I know Steve Greenberg wrote a great column in the Sun Times about it, about being with them or against them. It's either one. Like, I'm of the mentality you don't have to be vocal on social media to give your support. And it's also tough for me, especially because I mean, I grew up in a small town in central Illinois, it's where I am now. It's not very diverse. And living in Chicago the last four years kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And what's going on is bad. Between George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake, it's, it's bad. And while I don't say it on social media, I do appreciate what these athletes are doing in saying, we're turning off the games to talk about this. And it, it, actually, it actually took me until the interview with Lawrence was playing to find the words to put to this topic. And I, I knew I had to talk about it because it affected the sports world greatly this past week. So I just had to get that off my chest and, and say I, I, I'm an ally. And I, well I don't say it on social media, I, do, I support what's going on. I've got 10 seconds left, so I'm out of time. So I want to thank Lawrence Kramer again for coming on. It was really great insights into Dwayne Peavy stepping in as athletic director at DePaul. And I'll determine my guest for next week, later in the week. Keep an eye on my social medias for that one. Otherwise, I am done. My time is up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I will get you back to your independent music. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, And I look forward to being back here next Sunday. Have a great week, everybody.